Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. So let's get to our guest, Mark Chandler, Chief Market Strategist and Managing Partner at Bannockburn Global. Mark, it's a pleasure. It's been a while since we've had you on the program, so thanks very much for taking out the time. So we had a little bit of a risk-on session today. That helped the euro ahead of the big ECB meeting, and we got back to parity. Uh, but the conditions don't look particularly good, especially with the dollar being so strong. Uh, what do you see for the euro moving forward here if we get, let's say, 75 basis points from the ECB? Yeah, huh? isn't that interesting? I mean, 75 basis points from the ECB. And I think <laughs> it's just about priced in. I'm looking at not just what they do in September, but it seems to me between September and October, 125 basis points. You know, the dollar has been strong. It's been mostly a dollar strength story here. But I think that we're going to be in for a period of a bit of a correction in the U.S. dollar. I think once we get past the ECB meeting, the next focus is going to be on that CPI next week. And we're going to, you remember what happened in July, it was flat. And the early call here for August is probably a small down number, a small fall in the U.S. headline CPI, first time since COVID first hit. So I think, that, I think the dollar corrects a bit lower ahead of that. Well, Mark, uh, obviously the ECB, the... Consensus is what seventy-five basis points uh, with headline inflation at nine point one percent. They're a little bit late to the the tightening game, aren't they? Yeah, I mean uh, the problem that they have, like the problem that, that other countries, including the U.S., has, is we're tightening into an economic slowdown. And you know, just earlier on Wednesday, the uh, the eurozone revised up growth for Q two from zero point six to zero point eight. I think those, are, these, those days are over. I think that we'll be lucky to see 0.2% growth, if not negative growth. That is contraction in the coming quarters. So the, the ECB is in a tough position, but I think that the combination, I mean, I think what we should be looking at for tomorrow is not just a rate hike, but the staff is going to revise their forecast. And we can only imagine what they're going to be, higher inflation and slower growth. Yeah, it's it's more than just slower growth in in Europe. It's a it's a full blown energy crisis, uh, uh, which is you know not something that really looks like it can be resolved anytime soon. It's true, and I think that's why you know also uh, tomorrow and Friday, the uh, the European energy ministers are meeting, and they're trying to work out another scheme to cap prices, uh, not to cap prices in and gas and electricity maybe in Europe maybe decouple it from each other. Uh, and, of course, you know, they're talking still about that cap on Russian oil. So I, I, I agree with you. It's an energy shock. Uh, it's coming out of COVID. It is uh, the climate, too. I mean, I kind of think it's three things, really, right? Climate, yeah. COVID, and conflict. Yeah, but the one interesting part is that all of a sudden now we're seeing quite a lot of fiscal support. How does that change the equation? Yeah, I, I would see that really that big is really in the U.K., Right, I mean, with the new prime minister, talking about uh, 200 billion sterling package 
subsidies. But I, I think you're right. I mean, we saw over the past weekend uh, Germany, another its third package, mm-hmm. its largest package so far. Uh, I think this is the challenge, really. I mean, if, I had thought that after COVID, that the sort of the the budget deficit that was uh, budget spending that was used for COVID would be switched for military. I think about Germany stepping up defense spending, Japan stepping up defense spending, a lot of countries uh, stepping up defense spending. Mark, we just uh, heard from Brian about the the weakness in the currencies in this part of the world with the renminbi testing seven to the dollar weakening, uh, strengthening just a little bit yesterday, but still approaching seven. But the yen is an interesting one to me. One forty five, it came off a little bit. One forty four. Uh, it's it's interesting because you said before the break that you expect the the, the king dollar, the dollar strength to, to ease a bit, but still, this this yen does not seem to be moving. Uh, even though officials are trying to talk uh, against this weaker yen, what do you expect? Is are we going to test one fifty? I think so. I think that once you know, people are talking about that nineteen ninety eight high, but I don't see anything magical about this. But my sense would be something like this. I think the framing of the story is wrong. I think that so what the yen's weak. It should be weak. They're the only ones who have uh, who really are still saying that inflation is transitory. And the funny thing about that is that the market agrees with them. That is, I was looking at the median forecast in the Bloomberg survey of economists for inflation, core inflation in Japan next year. And what I was surprised by was that it converges, it meets exactly what the BOJ says. So the market believes Japanese inflation is going to be falling. That is back the core rate back below like 1.5% next year. The Fed's raising interest rates. The high price of energy and food is driving Japan, is a deterioration of Japan's current account. And so, of course, the yen should be weak, but it, I, think it's, I think this is the way the markets work, and I think that the risk of intervention is very slight. You know, Japanese companies are reporting record earnings, I think the best profitability since the late 50s in Japan. So I don't see the sense of a big crisis. In Europe, the weak euro is adding to the inflation. Yeah. Above 9%. Uh, but in Japan, yeah, it's not just yield differential in, in, in Europe. I mean, you can see a lot of weakness there. But I guess with with Japan and, and China, they're, they're just sort of quietly letting the currency weaken. Yeah, I think what they're doing is like blowing air underneath the parachute. <laughs> manage the pace of the decline, not so much reverse it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it, politics, I think there's been a call for a three-way meeting between the BOJ, the finance ministry, and the regulators uh, to possibly put a floor on this. And look at the stocks. Uh, despite this weak yen and these record profits you've been talking about, the topic's down sixth day in a row. Yeah, no, you're, you're, it's true. And I think that we've seen, like, uh, sometimes it seems that the stock markets globally are correlated more than perhaps the currencies. But I, I think that there's very little that Japan can do or want to do uh, to really stop the yen. I mean, you know, people talk about that 1998, the last time that the BOJ, or the, and really the Ministry of Finance, authorized that intervention to support the yen. But I think this is driven by fundamentals, and it's not going to change. I mean, I think that's the important thing, that Kuroda, may, his term may be over next spring, but it's not like there's a big push to tighten monetary policy and he's standing in the way. The thing standing in the way is the low inflation. Let's talk a little bit about the overall macro setup uh, and whether or not, I mean, if you think the dollar is going to weaken, that might suggest that we get a, a little risk on phase. Uh, is there a trigger in your thinking for that? Well, yeah, what I'm looking at really is next week's CPI in the U.S. Hmm. I think that's going to fan ideas that inflation's peaked in the U.S. And if inflation's peaked in the U.S., the Fed's 
position seems to be we've got to become convinced that it's gonna, that it really has been it really is on its way back to its its target, and so that's going to take some time. I think the market anticipates these kinds of things, so I think that we could get a pullback in the dollar based and that risk on that you mentioned yeah. based on the big sell off, so bottom pickers, and the idea that maybe. Mester, the Cleveland Fed president, was was uh, overstating the case when she yeah. talked about above 4% Fed funds rate next year. The market doesn't think it's going to get above 4%. Well, and she also said no cut, which I don't know how you can say that about all of next year. Yeah, but I'm looking at I, – I, um, so I, I look at the Fed funds futures. The March contract is still pricing in about a 22 basis point increase from December. But – when I look at the spread between the March contract and the December next year contract, it looks to me like the market is still mm-hmm. pricing in about a one in three chance of a rate cut late right. next year. Mark Mark Chandler, Chief Market Strategist and Managing Partner at Bannockburn Global. Always great to have you on. Thanks for your insight. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.